My name is Chloe Jin. I am the founder of The Unconventional Way, six-figure CEO, business mentor, mindset and meta-medicine coach. I am the rebel entrepreneur who lead the way to show you how to create the extraordinary in your own life. This podcast is for the go-getters, the entrepreneurs, the women who dream big, the human who are looking for the unconventional way to get the result they desire. Make money, heal your body, manifest your dreams and quantum leap in your business using the unconventional way. Plug in here, we create the extraordinary. Welcome back in the unconventional podcast. In this episode this week, oh my god, there is some juicy, juicy information that if you're looking for any kind of healing your body using the power of your mind, this episode is for you. It's going to help you so much. So if you know anyone who's struggling with any kind of health issue, please make sure to send this episode to anyone that you know that will beneficiate from it. Dale is an incredible business owner. He has created a massive success in all the business that he has created. He is just 26 years old, who in the last 18 months has gone from being unemployed, living and traveling in Australia in a van, to being the founder and director of several companies, including the FYS Group Australia and non-for-profit Waste Solution in Australia. Dale Mayer is a hard worker and he has been working really hard to build his first and second companies and he found himself staring at the ceiling of the hospital where he was diagnosed with a sequestered disc, root nerve damage and coda echina syndrome. He was told that he may not walk again without having a life-threatening invasive surgery. After which taking his own unique approach to rehabilitation, he was not only walking, but he was stronger and even more aware than ever before. He has an incredible story to share with you guys. And if that inspires you to take another approach to be interested more in metamedicine, make sure to send me a message right after this episode so we can have a chat and let's create some extraordinary thing in your own life too. Enjoy. I am seriously so excited to have you here because oh. I know that you have an incredible story to share and it's so powerful that... I wanted you to come here because I know that you can help so many other people to do exactly the same in their lives. And so can you tell us about what happened last or oh, this year? And like, can you tell us the story of what happened to you? Yeah. So um, it was pretty, I was actually went back further than this year. It's been about 14 months, this whole right. thing that happened. So about 14 months ago, I was working, started my own business and it was all labor intensive. I was super excited, so I was just working all the time uh, until I completely blew my back out. I, I hemorrhaged and herniated my L4, L5 and S1 disc in my back right. and uh, spent two weeks in hospital and couldn't walk and all that kind of stuff. When was that? That was back in September last year. So, so actually, that would be about 12 months now, actually, just after 12 right. months. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so that happened in September last year yeah. and then I... Um, it had about nine months of recovery that just didn't really, didn't really work after that. And I was kind of, they, I, they told me straight away that I should have surgery, have this titanium disc surgery. 
Okay. Um, which was a huge operation where they cut the, your stomach open, take all your organs out, and put the titanium discs back in from the front. Right. So that was a huge thing that I didn't want to get done because I'm only 26 and I was like, I don't want to have all my discs taken out and everything like that. So I did just the normal rehab and didn't do, it, I just didn't recover that well. Like nine months later, I was still, you know, couldn't play sport, couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. It was just monitoring the back. Um, and then went back to work. The first day I went back to work in nine months, I, um, I had to move a bunch of furniture because we had this emergency lockdown and all that kind of stuff. Had to move a bunch of furniture for this customer and blew my back out again and actually sequestered one of the discs and all the fragments went into my spine and caused a massive, massive drama. So I was in hospital for about a month and a half and um, lost all like function in my bowel and bladder and everything like that. And my penis didn't work for a month and a half and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, pretty much reno- had to completely renovate myself, mind, body and spirit to get back. So as it is, so that, that happened three months ago. I should only be walking as of now, according to the hospital, but we were back up and moving about a month and a half ago and I'm pretty much fully recovered now. <laughs> so that's a brief, brief story. There's like, there's a lot that happened in between that, but the outline is pretty much This that. is incredible. Can you go into more details about how you felt? And when I remember you told me like you were on the couch and asking for Sarah to come like basically like my legs are not working anymore. Yeah, Can yeah. you like go into details? Yeah, so that was one of the scariest times of my life. Um, so when, so the day after I did that, um, moved that furniture for that client, um, they, they just, I, I was sore when I did it, but, but it wasn't kind of, there was nothing alarming. And then that night I was in like excruciating pain. Oh, not even that night, a couple of hours after I did it, excruciating pain. And I said to Sarah, she's like, we should take you to the hospital. I said, no, it's not like, I'm just gonna see how it goes. And then the next day, I um, got out of bed, and my entire, from my pretty much from my ribs down, looked completely different. Like when I stood up out of bed, Sarah said to me, my girlfriend said to me, something's ter- like something's wrong. Like it just looked like my hips had kind of sunken down, and my everything was inflamed, and it looked weird. Wow. So then I, I went. Um, she helped me down the stairs, and I sat down on the couch, and she went back upstairs to you know shower and whatever. And as I sat down on the couch, I heard this huge crack. Like it pretty much just took all the sound out of the room. All I could hear was like this screeching sound. And when I laid down my, my legs, I had pins and needles all down my legs. And then by the time I had laid down from my belly button down, I couldn't feel anything. Like you could have pushed a knife into my legs and I would have, wouldn't have had no idea. I couldn't feel anything. Wow. And I was so like, it, it, the whole thing took my breath away. And by the time I got back to actually being able to think again, I, all I could think about was like, I can't move my legs. Like, I can't feel my fucking legs. And I was sitting there like with everything I had trying to move my toes and my feet and everything and just nothing happened. And um, that was the first time that had ever happened to me. Like when I did the injury the first time, I had a lot of pins and needles and nerve pain and all that kind of stuff. But um, that was the first time that anything like that had ever happened to me and I was Terrified. I laid there for 15 minutes until I called my uh, girlfriend on the phone and said, we need an ambulance, like, right now. And, yeah, then, then we went to the hospital and found out everything that went on. And when I got to the hospital, probably the even more scary thing that happened when we got to the hospital is they asked me if I'd been to the bathroom or anything like that, if I had an urge to go to the bathroom. And I said, no, I haven't been to the bathroom in, like since yesterday and all that kind of stuff. And they were super worried about that. And one of the doctors rolled me on my side and he said, look, I'm going to have to put my fingers in your ass because we need to know if you have any sensations or anything like that. 
And I said, oh, I don't, yeah, whatever you have to do. And he said, just tell me what direction I'm pointing when my fingers are in there. And I said, all right, cool, go for it. And then like 20 seconds passed and he was like, anything? And I was like, no, went like, have you put them in there yet? And he's like, mate, I've got three fingers in your ass. And I had no idea, no idea. And that was like petrifying that I just, this dude was like knuckle deep in my ass and I had no idea. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was some scary stuff. And then what happened when you were in, at the hospital? So when we were in the hospital, um, they, found, they did all these MRIs and everything like that. And one of the, um, well, when I got there, they gave me like a massive, so I, I had the green whistle that they give you in the ambulance. Um, as soon as I got to the hospital, they gave me a, a, a painkiller called fentanyl. And then they gave me directly after that, another, um, like opioid painkiller and the doctors, they had to move me straight to the MRI and they didn't have like those beds that they put you on and move Like, so they just transfer you onto this like long kind of plinth thing and then put you onto the MRI machine. They didn't have one of them and it was emergency because someone else needed the MRI, but I got put in, in front of them. So it was kind of like a rush, rush scenario. So they tried to, um, to move me and like, so they tried to like sit me up and stand me up and I was in that much pain that I passed out. Um, and like, like I kind of passed out while I was standing up and then came to again and they put me on the bed and they were like, Oh, we need to give the guy some painkillers because he's passing out. And they said, they looked at the chart and they said, you've got that many painkillers in your system that you should be asleep, like passed out already. <clears throat> and, um, I was still in agony. So then they, they did the MRI. They found that the back of the disc of the, um, the L5 disc where it was herniated. So the herniation is pretty much where the back of the disc kind of opens up. The jelly from the inside of the disc comes out and then leans on your, like your nerves and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's what happened the, the first time, the 12 months ago. And then this time what had happened is I'd put so much pressure on that herniation that it just completely sheared off and broke off in my, in my spine. Um, so the MRI showed that those fragments had, that were resting on, uh, the root nerves for the, the, um, the next section down of the spine. So that was pretty much making my legs, you couldn't feel my legs. And then some of the fragments had gone up and the, the, just the swelling and the compression and everything in the area had affected what's called a quarter equina, which is pretty much the nerve part that controls your bladder, your bowel and all that kind of stuff. So that's what they found out at the hospital. And then they said to me straight away, the surgeons and all that came in and said, we need to do this uh, surgery, one, to get the fragments out, and two, to replace those discs because they, they're gone. And I already said 12 months previous, I don't want the surgery. I just, like, I want to recover naturally because I don't think that the surgery was going to give me the results that I needed in the time frame that I needed it. And plus at that time, I, like, I still don't have, I didn't have private health when it happened. And so the, the bill to me was 30 odd thousand dollars. And then to pay $30,000 and have a 50-50 chance of being able to walk within 12 months, I was kind of like, that's not a good deal for me. So um, I decided not to go with that 12 months ago. And then they said, mate, this is pretty much what you need now. Like if you don't have this now, you probably won't ever recover. And um, I still didn't want it. Um, but because of the quarter equina, if you can't go to the bathroom, everything like that, you're pretty much going to have a catheter in full time and a bowel bag so I would be 26 walking around not being able to go to the bathroom at all was their worry so they said to me um, we're going to give you a heap of um, anti-inflammatories all that kind of stuff and within the if you don't go to the bathroom within the next three days we are doing the surgery like that's we're doing emergency surgery so 
Um, after all that happened, the next night they actually made a call and they said, no, you've got till midnight tonight to go to the bathroom. We're doing everything we can. If you don't go to the bathroom, we're doing surgery. And you're just like, that's the only alternative kind of thing. So then I text my girlfriend that <laughs> and she was freaking out. But this is all during a lockdown. So no one can come in the hospital. I'm in there by myself. And most of the time I'm so drugged up. I'm just like, ran, I'm falling asleep for 16 hours of the day, you know. So I text my girlfriend and then I fell asleep. And <laughs> she was freaking out. And then it got to like um, 10 o'clock at night and I still hadn't been in the bathroom. And they were doing bladder scans. So I was drinking heaps of water. They were doing bladder scans. And somewhere around like the, I think it's between 300 and 400 mil is when you start to feel like I, I have to go to the bathroom. Over 500 mil, you're like, I really need to go to the bathroom. And you can hold about a litre, 1.2 litres in your, in your bladder. And they were taking scans of 800, 900 mil of urine. And, I, and they were like, do you need to go to the bathroom? And I was like, no, nah, like not at all. And they were like, geez, this is bad. Like you need to be able to, like you should at least feel like you have to go. Even if you can't, you should feel like you have to go to the bathroom. And I just didn't feel anything. So then I had these two nurses and they were f just phenomenal. So the doctor had told everyone that the little team that was looking after me, this is what we're doing. Like do everything that you can. Like he's like pretty much a number one priority. Get him to the bathroom. Like whatever you have to do, get him to the bathroom. So it got to 11 o'clock and this nurse, the poor, poor chick, every like 20 minutes I was like, I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up and I'd be like, hey, can I try and go to the bathroom? But my legs didn't work. So they would have to lift me out of the bed, put me in a wheelchair, push me to the bathroom and then stand out the front until I was done so they could come and grab me and take me back to bed. I reckon I would have gone 20 to 30 times in the space of two hours and every single time, I was like, I'm so, so, I'm so sorry, I don't want to have to make you do all this, but they were just, no, it's fine, it's absolutely fine. They took me, got to like the last half an hour and this beautiful lady, she was an absolute angel, she was in the bath. She came into the bathroom with me, and she's playing like waterfall sounds on her phone. So I'm sitting there in this wheelchair with no seat in it, over the bathroom trying to urinate. She's playing waterfall sounds, and she's rubbing my back, and she's like, "Look, just don't stress about you know the outcome." She's like, "Let's just you know, if it feels like it needs to happen, let it happen." She's sitting there playing music on her phone, rubbing my back, trying to make me feel calm so I can go to the bathroom. And about 11:45, I went to the bathroom. And they called off the surgery. The only thing was I was that exhausted from getting up and down that many times that as soon as they put me back in bed, I fell asleep. <laughs> so the missus is calling the ER department at one in the morning like, what the fuck's going on? Where is he? Like, what's, what's happening? And luckily enough, she got the nurse that helped me and she's like, he's all good. Like, it's all sorted. So we, we, by the skin of our teeth, we got out of life-threatening surgery, which was awesome wow yeah so that's that's what happened that was a longer story than it should have been but that was there <laughs> this long. is incredible yeah and so and so after that when you were able to go to the bathroom then what happened yeah in terms of recovery so we we went to the bathroom that only happened that one time to, to pretty much stop the surgery the next two days i didn't go to the bathroom again okay. so i stayed in, in, in under observation because at that point it had been four days since i had it had a bowel movement and it had been like that was the only um, bit of urine that I'd passed in four days. So they were like, we're not letting you go home because it's not a, like a frequent thing. You're not doing it by yourself now. <clears throat> so um, that it was pretty much my days. The next couple of days consisted of just um, heaps of medication and then um, uh, like bladder checks, like le bladder level checks every 20 to 30 minutes. They just come and check how much was in my bladder and everything like that. And then... 
every time it got to a point where I, I should have been like busting to go to the, the toilet, where I had like 800, 900 mils of, of urine, um, I could usually pass some, but I was only passing, you know, 100 to 200 mils. So they were worried about that because they were like, mate, you're going to get a bladder infection. You're going to get all this kind of stuff if you can't empty your bladder. So then um, we had, oh, I had like four, over the next week, I had like four or five times where I had a catheter in where they would drain my urine manually. And then I would, um, you know, like I'd get to a point where I'd be like, oh, I feel like I need to go to the bathroom. They'd remove the catheter. I'd drink for you know three, four hours, try and go to the bathroom. Didn't work. Catheter goes back in. So that's like, a small metal tube being pushed up your urethra a lot of times. Oof. Like a lot of times. That wasn't comfy. That doesn't sound fun. No. So that, that was pretty much the next week was just trying to get me, like they couldn't move me because like I couldn't walk or, or start any rehab or anything like that because my legs just didn't work. Um, and then after the, that seven days, I started to be able to um, pass urine and um, I, I had one bowel movement in seven days. And they said, look, if you're, comfortable to go home and, and keep trying this this is what you need to be doing this is what you need to be eating these are the pills you have to take all that kind of stuff then we'll we'll send you home but if you have any dramas like if you don't urinate for two days again or whatever it is you have to come straight back so i was stoked to go home because i am not a big fan of the hospital uh, and i was in er the whole time too so i didn't even get like my own room or anything because the whole time it was constantly rushing here rushing there so i would never got settled anywhere and i didn't have any visitors so for seven days i was just sitting there by myself but sarah she man she packed me books my laptop bloody a nintendo switch like everything like in case i got bored so she was a superhero and then um yeah after that all went down we went home for a couple of days had some more dramas with bowel and urinary stuff went back in i was in there for another three or four days um and then we came back out again and then probably lasted another three days and then we we're back in the hospital um just couldn't get it right so i had to go see like urologists and all these surgeons and all this kind of stuff but um the last, when I went in the last time, I, I felt heaps better, um, but I had this weird thing where I would feel like I had to go to the bathroom and I would get to a point where I was like, had like really felt like I had to urinate, but no matter how hard I pushed, there was just like no flow of urine at all. So I went back in the third time and said, hey, like I've, I've got all the right sensations, but nothing's really happening. And they were like, oh yeah, like that. I'd like, we don't really know what that, that is, but you know, you should be able to urinate. And I was like, well, I wouldn't be back in hospital if I couldn't. And I had three or four doctors around me going, that's a weird thing. Like you should be able to do it. And I was like, I know it's weird. That's all I'm here. And um, it got to one of the nurses said, she's like, you know, I don't think, she's like, I'm listening to the doctor. She's like, I don't think any of them really understand what's happening. And I was like, all right, cool. So I said, can you push me to the bathroom? So I took a video of me urinating. And I showed the doctors and they were like, oh, like shit. Okay, we understand now. That's what's going on. So then we had to go through all these urologists and all that kind of stuff. And I had a, um, from the catheter being in, what had actually happened, it, it had scarred a bit of my urethra. And that scar tissue was building up and blocking me from being able to urinate. So then they had to go through and we had to do all these creams and all this kind of stuff to get the scar tissue down so I could urinate probably. Then I went home and then I pretty much stayed there. So it was about a month and a half all up in hospital. Wow. But then we were back home and it was all good. And I, I left the hospital in a wheelchair and then I was on, maybe two weeks later, I was on crutches moving around. Wow. Yeah. And so what was the, the catalyst, the pivotal moment for you when you started to recovering? Well, the problem was, so when, when I did it the first time and that wasn't even close to as bad as an injury as I had this time, uh, I did heaps. I spent about twelve grand in 
three to four months trying to, I wanted to be better now. Like whatever you could do, I wanted to do it. And I was doing like three sessions of decompression therapy, which is like a, a, a machine that they put you in and they strap your top half in to the top and the lower half in to a separate mechanism. And what it does, they put your weight, your injury, um, your height, everything into this computer. And what it does is because the, the disc herniation is when you compress the spine mm -hmm. and the disc comes out the back. Mm -hmm. So pretty much what it is, is it's trying to create a vacuum to bring the disc back out. So it goes back to normal. And they would, I would sit in there for 30 to 40 minutes, three times a week. So decompression therapy, I was doing this um, laser that they imported from the United States, which it goes down about a hundred millimeters into your skin and pretty much like ultraviolet light and rejuvenates all the muscle cells and everything like that. So they can repair better, get more blood flow and everything like that. Doing that three times a week, doing physio three times a week, um, chiropractor twice a week, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't have any private health. So that's like hundred bucks a session, you know, then plus the medication I was having, that was, I was 200 bucks a week in medication, plus the rent and all that kind of stuff. I spent, so I spent about 12 grand in, in three or four months trying to get better and none of it really made any of a difference. And then when I had this injury, this new injury, which was way worse and I couldn't feel my legs, I was like, I gotta do something different. Like, there's, like that, that didn't work for me last time. And like, and everything I was doing, the doctors I had and everything like that, they, were, they knew their stuff and they were really, but it just didn't work for me. I don't know why, but it just didn't. And then, so I was like, there has to, I have to do it differently this time because after the first nine months of having that injury, you don't like, I'm the kind of guy that when I go to the beach, I jump, I do flips in, I'm off the dunes, I tackle everyone that I see. You know, I put my missus on my shoulders and we do all this fun stuff. I run around like a spastic and I haven't been able to do that for nine months. So like there, there used to be this really cool thing where when I first started my business, I would come home and every night the missus would run up and jump on me and wrap herself around me and we would dance and do all this kind of stuff. And then for nine months after that, I hadn't done that for a single day. And, I, and like you still come home from work and you're like, oh, cool, like I'm going to go home and see the missus. And you get excited and then she just gets to come up and you just get a crisp high five because you, know, you, can't, <laughs> you can't do any of that. So just after nine months of not being myself, it was, that, was, that was pretty tough. And then to do it again, I was kind of in this place where I was like, if this went for another nine months, I, like, I probably wouldn't even remember who I used to be before this injury. And it was just an injury. Like that's the worst part is like, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, I had like a birth defect or anything like that mm. that was that caused this issue. It was just an injury from work. Mm. And now I'm looking at 18 months, two years of me not doing anything that I used to do. Like all my friends and shit, like they'd be like, do you want to come hang out? And hanging out now looks like, well, used to look like going and sitting at a park bench at the beach while they'd be spastics and I mm. watched them because I couldn't yeah. walk on the sand. Yeah. Um, as compared to what we used to do, motocross, football, like everything. We used to kick the shit out of each other just for fun. And now I'm sitting there watching all that happen for nine months. So that was really hard to, to swallow because after all my hard work and all the money and time and effort I'd put in, I was back on the couch. Mm. Only this time it was worse. Mm -hmm. So that was a hard pill to swallow. And then coming off the end of that, I, I, the first thing I decided was that this was never going to happen again. I was like, I don't care what it takes, how long it takes, how much effort it takes, I don't care. This will never happen again. I will be better. I'm, this, is, this isn't happening again. And then the second thing was, well, look at the recipe that we used the first time and that didn't work. So we need a new recipe. So when I started to analyze that part of it, I, it actually, I actually started to analyze myself in the recovery. Because the only thing I could control, I couldn't control what the doctor said. I couldn't control what the machinery did. I, could, I 
I couldn't control any of that. The only thing I could control was how, myself and how I acted in this injury. So looking back, what I did was I took a lot of people's word for granted. And that was, the, that was probably the most troubling thing because if someone tells you and you believe them wholeheartedly because you want to get ready, you're probably not going to walk for six months. Then you're probably not going to walk for six months. Yes. Because if you, if you go to the best doctor that money will buy and you say, tell me, what, tell me how it is, and they say, look, mate, looking at your scans, this is, this is the story. And if you believe that, whether it's true or it's not, you're probably not going to walk for six months. 100%. So that was, that was my thing. I had kind of... I'd ask every doctor. I'd, I'd actually become friends with them. Like, all of my doctors were and they were friends with me on Facebook. Like that's how I was just in their ear. They would have hated me. I was in their ear all the time, asking questions, just being the dumbest person in the room, asking a shit ton of questions. And um, all of them said they no, no one gave me hard statistics because the back is such a for, for for medicine. The back is such a fecal thing. Like it can for one person it can be one hundred percent. For one person it's ten percent. You know it's all over the board. Mm-hmm. So no one would give me hard statistics and I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> so everyone was saying, look, man, like some people get better in three months, some people it takes 10 years. And to me, I was like, well, that's fucked. Like what if I'm right in the middle? Mm-hmm. Like on those numbers, that's still five years. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not happy with that. So then I started, instead of trying to work on, oh, well, I need better doctors. And I need better this and I need better that. I started to work on myself and being like, well, how am I actually reacting? What do I want out of this injury and how what am I doing in the time because you can only do so much rehab in a day yeah and I know that because I was on three hours of rehab a day to get better and then there's just a point where the body is so injured and so sore that it just goes numb you know you just can't do anymore so then you've got all this other time in the day where you've got no appointments and you know your medications all set and everything like that so what are you what are you doing you know like if you're not interested in getting better all the time just saying, oh yeah, I went to physio twice this week, so I should get better. Then mm-hmm. there's another five days in the week that you're not actively working on yourself or your injury. So that was that was huge for me. When I kind of realized that, I was like, every time I've been injured, and I've been injured a lot, I've broken every bone in my body except for my neck and my um, femurs. So I've been injured a lot. And every time the doctor said, It'll be better in six weeks. I've just gone, cool, it's better in six weeks. And I just forget about it until it's better. But I'd never thought of, well, this doctor doesn't know me. I've never had this injury before. He doesn't know who I am and how hard I'll work to get better and all that kind of stuff. So the first thing I did was throw all that out the window. No matter what timeline anyone said, I had a timeline in my head. And whether I had to work 10 hours a day to get there or one hour a day to get there, it didn't matter. That's what I was going to do. Um... So that was me. That's I, I changed my mind on the injury, injury and the recovery process before I even started the recovery process because no one would touch me. I had, I had physios that came to my house and I told them the injury and told, and they just said, "Mate, you're, I'm not. We're not going to touch you for three months. Like we're not even going to look at you. You can't even walk." One, the, the hospital they had a whole plan put in place for me, and they said, "When you can walk without a limp, then we'll start your rehab." And I was like, "I can't feel my fucking legs." Like. I don't know when I'm going to be able to walk without a limp, let alone feel my legs. So, um, yeah, so they didn't want to touch me for surgery. They didn't want to touch me for recovery or rehab or anything like that for three months. And that just was unsatisfactory because that was three months that I was written off pretty much. So then, yeah, I, I looked at myself and I thought, well, what, how are we actually going to change this within ourselves in the, in the environment we can control? So that was where it all started. That was the changing point. Wow. Yeah. This is incredible. And so... What did you do exactly that 
was the game changer for you and started really to feel better and start walking again? Like, what was that? The, I, I've looked at this, and the funny thing is, is like everyone I talk to Sarah about this and, every, and everything mm. like that, is from my perspective, it was just, you're, you're injured, you don't want to be injured, what are you going to do about it? Uh, that's how simple it was in my head. So when you invited me to talk on your podcast, I was like, but there's not even really a story there. You're like, you know, like it's just a thing that I did. And to me, it's just like a big blur of, oh, this is what I want and I'm going to go and get it. That's all it was, yeah? Like just yes. like a normal day. But Sarah was just like, man, there's probably people out there that have had injuries for five years and all that kind of stuff that haven't had that breakthrough and are still injured. And so to me, this story, does it just feels like a bunch of words. But I guess if it helps one other person, then I guess it's worth telling so for me the biggest thing was going was looking at the breakthrough moment was when i looked at the what was going to happen if i did the bare minimum so if i sat there and i'm uneducated the only the only thing i know about this injury which is a completely different injury now is what i knew nine months previous that the hospital and doctors and everything mm-hmm. told me nine months previous that's all i ever know because i never had a back problem before so i never googled nothing mm-hmm. i never read any books or anything like that so I was, the information I had was limited. And I was like, well, if I'm going to make a difference in my own recovery, then I need information. And the, it came in the form of like divinity, pretty much. Like Sarah was talking to uh, um, a friend of hers on uh, Zoom or whatever. And she mentioned that I was in the hospital. And he said, oh, I actually read this book about like back pain and everything like that. Like you should give it a read. Sarah said, yeah, cool. Like we'll try anything. She buys this book for $13 and gives it to me. And I've got this rule. I'm really weird. I'm just a weird dude. If I'm reading a book, I cannot start reading another book until that book is finished. <laughs> All right. And I've never been able to do it. If, I re- if I'm reading something, I need to finish it and then I can start the next one because then it's got 100% of my focus on it. Yeah. So I'm reading this book right now about investing and it's like 600 pages long and I'm 400 pages into it. And Sarah buys me this book and I was just like, oh, I can't read it. Like... <laughs> I was like, I really want to read it. And I was like, but I need to finish the other book. But I'm on like so many drugs that reading is almost impossible. So a week goes past or two weeks goes past where I couldn't even read if I wanted to. And I just said, oh, like, give me the like, give me the book. So I just broke this weird rule that I had forever <laughs> and read this book. And what it did was pretty much in layman's terms, it gave you what your back is actually made out of, what it's built to withstand, and what the injury actually means. Then it took in, in a whole different point, part of it that goes into indoctrination and like the placebo and everything like that. So for me, thinking like thinking about an injury and then thinking about indoctrination, I was like, that's a weird concept to come from an injury from that angle. Like usually you were talking about stuff that you did in your childhood and you know all that kind of stuff that you saw growing up. But this time, it was directly related to back pain. And I was like, that's a weird way. So I, I started to read that and I started to do research on that. And pretty much what it was saying, which is exactly true, is when you have a back injury, no one really understands. There's so many mechanics in the back that no one, they can say, oh, you've got a herniated disc. That's why you've got this pain and everything like that. But there's no actual, um, there's no definitive thing where someone says, this is exactly your problem. This is exactly how to fix it. Every case is different. And it just, for, for as long as medicine's been around, the back is just this weird mystery, especially the lower back. So when I first got injured, I got told not to slouch when I sit, not to uh, not to sleep on a soft mattress. You gotta have a hard mattress, sleep with a pillow between your mm-hmm. knees, all this stuff. They told me, do not do this. Don't bend over from your waist 
always bent at the knees, all this kind of stuff. So for nine months, I was so worried about re-injuring my back that I listed like, everything. So every time I got in the car, you know, even if it was a, a friend's car, I would adjust the lumbar just right and I'd have my spine stacked how they told me to and all that kind of stuff so I didn't injure it. Anytime I went outside of that, after the nine months, like if I dropped that pen on the ground and I went to just pick it up, I'd be like, oh, my back. Mm-hmm. Or I'd say to you, hey, Chloe, can you grab that because of my back? Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing every single day is going, oh, my back's fucked. Mm-hmm. You know, my back is absolutely fucked. I can't pick that pen off the ground. Chloe, can you get it for me? Mm-hmm. What I'm literally saying to myself is, my back's fucked. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then you've got all these people around you that love and care about you, and they see you drop that pen on the floor. Before you can even say anything, Dale, don't worry, I've got it, mate. They don't hurt your back. I've got it. So everything around you is supporting you, that your back's fucked. Mm. And when I kind of looked at it from that perspective, I was like, holy shit, like that's exactly what, what happened. And when I was reading this book, he had this really cool um, part. It was pretty much just a paragraph where he just said, he took all those things that the doctor say to you and just said how farcical they are in terms of the back. Because the back was designed to take so much punishment. Like everything you do revolves around your back. It's like, it's a highway for all your nerves, all your information runs down your spine. So he's, he's and he's, he's a doctor 30 years, he's been working on, on spines and everything like that. So it's not unqualified information. And he said, what, like why would the body be designed to protect the most structural, like the most integral part to the systems, the way it operates, if it was as farcical as sitting down the wrong way and your back's ruined. He's like, no, it's designed to take punishment. It's designed to move and everything like that. So he had this one example about sitting on the couch with your, your pelvis tilted forward, which is like sitting like this. Mm-hmm. And when I, was reading, when I was reading this book, I was sitting with pillows stacked behind my back and everything like that, trying to sit really upright and everything, just like the doctors had told me to. And he said, pretty much in it, like this is just like, no, it's not the exact quote, but pretty much what it said was, Unless you weigh 400 kilograms, leaning your pelvis forward while sitting cannot damage your back. Like, it's impossible. If you've got a, like, if you don't have any degenerative spine issues or anything like that, you can't injure your back by sitting with your pelvis forward. It's built to withstand tons of pressure. How can sitting like this hurt it? Mm-hmm. But for the last 12 months, sitting like that had hurt my back. So I thought, Okay, well, this guy's a qualified doctor. He knows more than I do. This is information. I'll take the information. So I took the pillows out from behind my back and I just tilted my pelvis forward and my back hurt. And like it was really sharp pain and it was uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, well, if I just sit here with the information in front of me going, I cannot re-injure or hurt my back anymore by doing this, then what's, where's the actual pain coming from? And the pain was coming from expecting that pain was going to be there. Right. So I sat there for five minutes and I just breath, just had a breathe, just took five minutes breathed through the pain, understood it, reread the paragraph about a hundred times and the pain went away. And for the first time in nine months, I could sit on a couch however I wanted and it didn't hurt my back. And all that change, that breakthrough moment was I had information now that I didn't have before. So step one for me was actually being informed about what was going to help me recover and what wasn't. And this, that, that, in that entire book opened my eyes to the perspective that the only reason that the pain is there is because I believe it was going to be there. And I believed for so long that it was going to be there. 100%. So, yeah, that was the breakthrough moment. That was the, the moment where I was like, this is the game changer. Everything is different now. And, and just from having that information in front of you, applying, applying it in a practical sense and seeing the result immediately, oh. it makes you question everything. Like everything I've been told for the last nine months. So then I pretty much went through the whole range 
like I got told um, the first time I did it, like not to, the doctor called me. So I, I went in and had my scans and everything like that. And the doctor from the hospital called me and said, don't, don't move. Mm-hmm. But he's like, stay laid up as long as you can. And this whole perspective was move as much as you can. Like <laughs> do everything. Do like, if you want to play basketball, if you want to ride a jet ski, do everything. Just be wary of what, like how you're moving and everything like that. So that was huge. Information was, was step one. And then step two from there was spiritually, how am I going to, especially and emotionally probably is the next section where I was thinking if this didn't work and I was the same guy I was for the last nine months, how would I deal with that emotionally? Because that would, that's a really hard thing to face. Like another 12 months or five years or however long of not being yourself is a long, is a long time. And um, when, you, when you get down to the nitty gritty of how you feel about it emotionally and how it makes you feel, that affects the person you are. So like, I, even though I, tr- I try so hard in my day to day to be the best version of myself every day, if I wake up in the morning and I can't walk, it doesn't put you in a mindset to be like, I'm gonna fucking smash today. It puts you in a mindset of, oh fuck, like yeah. here we go again kind of thing. Yeah. So spiritually, I, I had to make a decision whether I was going to let, let it affect me negatively anymore or if all of that energy was going just to be used to recover, picture the life and the, the way I wanted to be, the person I wanted to be again, and move forward with that, no matter what happened, like whether the pain was bad, all that kind of stuff. I now knew that everything I got told to do, the pain wasn't because of the action or the mechanics of the action. The pain was in my head. So if I knew that, then why can't, like even if I wake up and my back goes, oh no mate, you can't walk today. No, I can walk today. I'm just, list- all I'm doing is giving you the credit that you don't deserve and saying, oh no, you're right, I can't walk today. So that was the next thing is overcoming that pain and it was a ton of pain. Like when I tell you, like, mm. man, like I have never experienced pain like I experienced with my back. And the, and the worst part about it is, is you get these really cool things when you smash your arm to pieces, there's a really cool thing called a cast. And everyone can go, oh, that was arm's broken to pieces. But when you've got a back problem, there's no cast, there's no, like, there's no bandages, there's no nothing. Mm. No one can see nothing. So you're just a normal dude walking down the street. And someone says, hey, can you pick that up for me? No, man, I can't. Oh, you fucking lazy, mate. Or, you know, you say you got back problems for the last six months. Oh, sorry, man, my back's fucked. Yeah, yeah, your back's fucked, is it? Mm-hmm. That's what you cop. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not, like, outside of you, no one understands the pain you're in because probably, no, like, nine out of ten people don't have these kind of injuries and all that kind of stuff. So the pain was excruciating. And getting over that emotionally and spiritually and going, I don't care how much it hurts, we're just going to keep moving forward and we're just going to be positive and we're just going to keep going because... It's the first time in my life with an injury, with something as simple as an injury, which I've had heaps of, that the pain was so bad that I was like, oh, it'd just be so much easier to lay here. Mm. So getting over that and spiritually knowing that even though it felt terrible, it was still positive and changing that that normal gearing. Like, like if you stuck your finger in a blender, <laughs> you'd be like, that's bad. <laughs> like that, that wouldn't feel good. So it's pretty much doing that, but reinforcing all of it as positive so it feels terrible i mean as much i can't even stand how much pain i'm in but we're just going to keep moving forward like every day it doesn't matter how much it hurts just grit your teeth and we're just going to keep moving forward the good the good thing about that for me which was huge and through my whole life i've always been the kind of guy my old man was a tough dude like real tough if you hurt yourself 
stop being a bitch and just get on with it. That that was the whole thing, pretty much. That was the whole thing. Like if you, I mean, I played games of football where he was my coach and I'd broken my ribs in the first quarter and come off and he goes, his question to me was, like my ribs are pretty much caved in on the side of my body. He lifts my shirt up because I oh, got broken ribs. He said, do you want to play finals or do you want to go to the hospital? And I was like, oh, fuck, I want to play finals. Mm. So... Well, I went back out on the ground with broken ribs and played three quarters of football. That's the kind of environment we grew up in. The drama with that was is I never once said to myself, it's okay to be in pain and work with the pain rather than against it. So for me, this was huge because every other time I'd been injured, oh yeah, don't worry, like, don't worry about it. You put the pain off and you don't think about it or you just, you know, whatever. But this time, there was no doing that. There was no running from the amount of pain. Like it wasn't going to go away in 10 minutes. It wasn't going to, it was literally you're in pain and you and I had to sit there and go, it's okay that I'm in pain and I'm not a bitch for being in pain or anything like that. And you work with the pain instead of against it, which is with, which I think for, for injuries and especially sports people and injuries is a completely different way of looking at it because everyone I've ever known, I've got, got mates that have blown ankles and all that kind of stuff. They're walking on it in three and four days because they're like, oh mate, like I'm just don't be a bitch and just get on with it. But no one, you don't step back and go, I'm actually going to use this pain and the emotions that this pain creates to move forward in a positive manner mm. like with the pain rather than you're always running away from it you're taking painkillers you're doing all that kind of stuff i stopped taking my painkillers which i should still i've got enough in the closet to still be on them three four times a day i stopped taking them two weeks after i got out of hospital wow because instead of running from the pain i wanted to understand it and if i can't feel it how the hell can i understand it so we, we took all the pain painkillers away and that was hard because i'd been on so many yeah. for like a month and a half at this point, I had withdrawals and everything. Like I got nauseous and had the shakes and all the sweats, all that kind of stuff. And that was only after a month and a half. So I was taking a shit ton. And when I stopped doing that, there was a couple of times where I went into shock, like where I'd just be laying on the couch and the painkillers would start to wear off and I'd just go into shock. And Sarah had four or five blankets on top of me and she's like kind of holding me down and I'm just shaking my head off. And uh, once we got over that slump, it was like, all right, now I can actually feel the pain. And when I can feel it and understand why it's there, then I can start to move on instead of being stuck in it. So that was number two was spiritually understanding that pain isn't something that you're, you know, you're a bitch for having or anything like that. It's something that you can use as a tool to work forward. So that was, that was huge. And then physically was the last prong of that breakthrough where I started moving again, yeah. started to get more confident. And instead of going uh, to a physio where you go, oh, hey, mate, this is my injury. And he goes, oh, cool, this is what we have to do. I went in to this amazing place it's called resistance sports science uh in inogra if you've got an injury go like just go there there's this guy there daniel petch he is a, a magician like a dead set magician i went in there on crutches and could barely feel my legs when the hospitals and everything said they wouldn't touch me daniel said yeah mate like we can work with you even if it's in a wheelchair we'll work with you so i walked into it and i said i don't want to fix my back I want to rebuild my body oh, ar is, around my back. This is key. Yeah. So instead of saying to him or him saying to me, mate, okay, you've got this problem. We're going to relieve some tension here, here, and here and give you a couple of rubs and you'll be able to walk and all that stuff. I said, I don't want to... Walking again isn't the goal. This never happening again is the goal. So on day one, I said to him, this is what I want from your services. If you're as good as everything and everyone says you are, then you should be able to provide me this result. That's what I want. So... Instead of focusing on my back and doing stuff that made it feel comfortable and everything like that, we've re-engineered the whole bottom of my body, or pretty much from my chest down, mm. to work with my lower back. So 
I wasn't supposed to be walking for three months, which is probably a couple of weeks ago. I have been for a run. I've rode <laughs> dirt bikes. I've got a Harley Davidson that I ride. Oh my god! I'm pretty much. I do. I did a 75 kilo deadlift wow. the, the other day. Like I feel amazing. Like everything feels great. I've been swimming in the beach. Every, wow. Stuff I couldn't do for a year. I've been doing in the last couple of weeks. Wow. And it's all like the physical part came to from someone that had the information, mm. me sourcing that information and using it, and then and then having a goal for my recovery, not hey, I want to just feel better. I want to be better than than the first time I ever did my back. I want to be stronger than I ever was. And that was that was the three prong the three prong thing. It was information, spiritual and emotional, and then the physical part of it. And then with all those three driving together was when results came. So I was there, the first week I was there, he said to me, he's like, look, man, he's like, we're going to work our asses off, but you're probably not going to get off the crutches for at least a month, yeah. And uh, which is better than any, anyone mm. else. I mean, I've been told if I didn't have the surgery, I wouldn't walk for three months. Mm. I wouldn't be off the crutches for three months. And I got told if I did have the surgery, there's a good. Uh, they said, you'll probably be walking again, like pain-free in a year. <laughs> and I was like, well, neither of those is good. Mm. He said to me, we'll probably have you off the crutches in a month. And he's like, then we'll start working on some strength stuff and all that kind of thing. But when you've got that spiritual side where you understand the pain. So like doing the rehab was like, if it was on a scale, 10 out of 10. Like mm. you'd be an hour and a half with a rehab, you're in pain for an hour and a half. I would get to rehab and before we even started exercising, just from moving around and everything like that, getting on the bed, getting off the bed, my shirt was saturated in sweat just from the mm. body being in that much pain. Mm. So being in that much pain and going, okay, I understand why the pain's here. I've got the information. It's not nothing I'm going to do now is going to hurt it anymore. So that's, that, all that pain's in my brain. So then you go to the spiritual and emotional side and you go, even though it feels like it's going to kill me, we're just going to keep moving forward. All right? And we're just going to do whatever it takes and we'll, we'll get there in the end. That's the decision that's already been made before I step foot in a rehab. Because if I go in there and I go, oh, you know what, Dan? This hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. It's over. It's over. Because then all you resign to is the fact that the doctor told you six months or six weeks or whatever it is. That's the only information you have now. But if you, if you arm yourself with inf the information, then you go, this is what I want out of this rehab. This is who I want to be by the time this is over. And there's no in-between. This is a decision I've made and I'm going to do it. As long as the physical part, you can, like, you've got someone that can give you that information and, and you can do the physical part then you're as good as gold. I will never be injured again. Uh, and I, I love what you said. Like there is some key thing that you said in terms of you made a decision. Yeah. It was not, oh, I could do this or I could do that or perhaps it's going to work. No, it's you made a strong decision and then you focused on what you want. Mm -hmm. You didn't focus on the pain or you didn't really focus on the problem and wanting to fix the problem. You focused on being healthy again, yeah. which is like such an incredible thing to do because when we focus on what we don't want by focusing on the problem, it's focusing more on what we don't want. Oh, and exactly what you said about, oh, the pen, I dropped the pen, but people are going to pick it up for you because they know and therefore you recreate the story in your mind mm -hmm. that you have the problem, that your back is yep. fucked. And therefore that reinforces the fact that your back is fucked. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Constantly, constantly, constantly. And I love that. It's like making a decision that you're going to get better and you're going to get better and there is no other way. Mm. And then focusing on health instead of focusing on the problem. Yeah. I think it's like key element that you said is like, 
gold. Yeah. yeah if, there's, gold. if there was one thing, if, if someone was listening to this and they were in pain, whatever it is, if it's an ankle, if it's a neck, if it's a shoulder, if it's a back, whatever it is, that would be the breakthrough moment where you decided that it doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter what the scan said. It doesn't matter what it is. If you know you're not going to harm yourself any further by actively going to heal yourself, then there should be no doubt in your mind. Exactly. This is what's happening. Yeah, it's a decision. Yep. And exactly what you said, it's a decision that you made, so there is no doubt. Yeah. yeah. You then, know where you're going, yep. and you know it's going to happen. Mm. And there's no... only one consequence. Ex yeah. And that's exactly what you set out to do. Yeah. Because there's, no, there's nothing in between. So, yeah, that, that, that is, if there was one piece of information that someone's struggling with an injury, that would be the thing I said, is instead of going, because what I thought, and I'd like to break the rules and I like to re-engineer yeah. shit and reverse engineer <laughs> stuff. So when the doctor said to me that, man, you'll be lucky to be walking in three months. To anyone that wasn't going to question that, then you would just go, okay, well, I'll just sit on the couch until I can walk again. Yeah. And that would be easy, mm. but you'd be waiting three months. And you probably wouldn't be recovered. You'd just be walking in three months. So when he said that to me, I was kind of like, well, you have no idea who I am. Like, yeah, like you've, I've been here for seven days and you've been like observing me and everything like that. But the shit that I'm prepared to do, 95% of the population won't even think about doing. Like no one wants to get better more than me. So if you're telling the guy in the bed next to me that it's going to be three months and he's okay with that, then it'll be three months. But you don't know who you're talking to. Because as of right now, I've been in this condition for nine months and I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. That's great. I'm not your normal patient. <laughs> so what you're saying is for normal people who don't care if they get better or anything like that, that's not me. I want to get better now and this is this is what I'm prepared to do about it. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I think it's, it's better if you just clear the slate and no matter what anyone tells you, you just go, this is the injury I have. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> How am I going to get rid of it? Well, I'm going to become a stronger version of myself from before I did the injury. Yeah. And you work to that every single day, every spare minute that you get, you work towards it. Like there was, when I was in the, um, when I first got home and I was laying on the couch and I couldn't, still couldn't feel my legs, there was times there where I would just look up a picture on my phone of a spine and I would find out where my injury was and then I would just lay there for two or three hours and in my head the bad discs and the injured part would flash in red and I would just take them out and then put green ones in and it all wow. flashed green and then it, and then that would disappear and then it would just come back around. It only take 30 seconds but I would do it that 30 seconds over and over in my head because if I wasn't doing anything then I wasn't getting better. So I was like cool this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to Imagine, in my head, rebuild my spine the way I need it built, and then by the time I can walk, that part will already be taken care of itself. It'll be healing itself, and I'm already one step ahead. So there's always more time to be working on it. If you're injured, it's not two physio sessions a week or whatever it is. There's always time to work, whether it's, you know, you're doing stretching, whether you're doing stuff in your, like, you know, in your living room, whatever it is, there's always time. Yeah, and I love that. I feel like you're the living example of what Joe Dispenza talks about. It's like you can rebuild your whole system using the power of the mind. Mm -hmm. And it's been proven now. Like oh. there's heaps of study around it. Yeah. And how, like exactly what you did and what you said about visualizing 
your back healing mm -hmm. and removing the pain and replacing it with healthy new cells. Yeah. And it's been proven now that you, we can do that just using the power of visualization and the strong like mindset of creating like health, 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 health and focusing on what you want. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it it's is. such an incredible story that you shared. And I know that you're very self-aware. And do you know what was the metaphysical reason of why you hurt your back? Um, I actually do. Well, sorry, I believe I do. And, and yeah. I, as time goes on, I'll learn more about it. And it won't even be like as anything that's spiritual or self-awareness or anything like that. You'll have pieces of the puzzle for six months and you'll think you'll have it all figured out. And then another six months, you'll get mm. so many more puzzle pieces yeah. and you'll be like, oh man, that's actually what it was. So I'm still learning and I'm always learning. But what I was doing, so I started my first business 12 months ago and now we have four. And that first one, I was so hungry to work for myself, to create something for myself because I'd just been treated like shit. Like, like I did a, a trade and I worked at a bunch of places and all that kind of stuff. And then I took, like, I retired when I was 21 and I took like three or four years off and just did whatever the hell I wanted. And then when it came back, when it was time where I'd spent all my money and I'd done all the dumb shit that, you know, people in their early 20s do and all that stuff, I came back and I was like, well, what's something that I haven't experienced? So I'd done traveling, I'd done all this dumb shit, I jumped off waterfalls and all that stuff, you know, all that stuff that you see on YouTube and you go, oh, that sounds like fun. I did all that and then I had really itchy feet when I, when I finished my last job, I was like... I didn't want to be on the Gold Coast anymore or I didn't want... Everywhere I went, I would stay there for a couple of weeks and I'd be like, no, I've got to see something else, you know? And I had mm. this itch all the time. I was like, no, I've got to go somewhere else. I've got to do something else. I've got to be something else and experience more. And I did that and I did that for about 18 months. And then when I got back to the Gold Coast, I was kind of like... One thing I'd never experienced was being wealthy. Yeah. And I was like, I want to experience that now. I haven't done that yet. That's one thing I haven't cool. experienced. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. The thought of going back to work with someone was excruciating. Like someone telling me where to be, what to do, what to wear, how to act. I just couldn't stand it. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to start a business. Just something simple, nice and easy. I'm just going to do it and see where it ends up. Anyway, long story short of that is that I ended up running my second company by the time I hurt my back. And I was working so hard at it that I was doing seven days a week, 16 hours a day, and it was all physical. It was all physical. And I was still, I was waking up at 3 a.m., going to the gym, starting work at four and not finishing until like seven or eight at night, or even sometimes 10 o'clock at night. Come home, the missus would have food ready for me, she'd give me a big kiss and a cuddle, and I'd go to bed and I'd wake up again and do it. Wow. And I did that for three months, every single day, 16 hours minimum. There was one day I had a client that had gone away and they'd left me the keys and they said, just like do as much as you can by the get back very wealthy client and I wanted their business. So I made the decision, I was gonna finish the whole job, which is probably like a two week job. I was gonna finish it before they got back so they could come home and go, wow, like this guy's amazing. Mm -hmm. So two week job, I distilled down to four days and on the third on the third uh, day, I was just like, I'm, not, I'm just not gonna get this done. I was like, this is crazy, I'm not gonna get this done. They'll still be really impressed, but this might be finished. So I thought to myself, I'm gonna just work it until it's done. Like, who, who cares? Like, what's the worst that can happen? I work, like, all day and all night and it'll be fine. So I didn't leave that site for 24 hours straight. Like, I, the only thing I stopped to do was put water in my water bowl and drink it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Work 24 hours straight to the point where all my fingernails, I'd been lifting and squeezing and screwing and everything, all my fingernails were bleeding. And I got home and Sarah, and I was washing my hands in the sink. She was, oh, you've cut yourself. 
and I pulled my hands out of the sink and it was just my cuticles bleeding from holding on to stuff. 24 hours straight. So I would have killed myself trying to build this business. Mm. And then about a week after that, my back mm. went. And at the start, I was like, this is fucked. You know, mm. like, oh, I'm going to lose the business. I've got three months of clients waiting, all this kind of stuff. We've got materials bought for all this stuff. I looked at the missus. Literally, when we got that phone call, like I said, when I was sitting on the couch, the doctor called me and said, don't move. I looked at Sarah and I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, when we might not be able to pay the bills. And I was in that state for half an hour, and then I thought, well, I've got three months of work. And to a lot of people, that's the hard part is getting to work. And I was like, what am I going to do about it? So I had half an hour of freaking out, and then in the next hour, I had the next month of my work taken care of by guys that I knew from trade school and all that kind of stuff. So I just pretty much pivoted the business in half an hour and said, this is what we're doing. We're just going for it. If I had never hurt my back, I never would have done that, and I would still be working 16 hours a day. And I, and I, I would have done it to the point where – Shit, Sarah probably would have left me because I never would have seen her and I would have got hungrier and hungrier and taken on bigger projects and all that kind of stuff. So I probably would have never trusted someone else to do the work that I was doing if I hadn't done my back. So now, like I said, I've had, I had so much time. Then that was the second company. Now we've got four and I've had that much time to work on something else now that I don't have to be on the tools anymore and I don't have to do the hard work and all that kind of stuff. And my hands are like <laughs> soft as butter right now because I don't have to do the hard work anymore. Uh, I still work hard, but I don't have to physically break my body to do it. So without my back, I never would have got to this stage that I'm at now. And I look back at it now and I go, I'm so grateful that it happened. Because if it didn't, who knows where I'd be. Like, I'd probably, I'd probably be working right now. I wouldn't be able to sit here on a Tuesday and just have a conversation. So <laughs> for me, that, the lesson I learned was that in the, in the injury itself, it's okay to let go. And to not be in charge and overlording over every little tiny bit of your life, you can trust other people. If you have the right people around you, you can trust a team to do the work. So that was a huge lesson for me because I'm not, I'm not really a control freak, but I'm a perfectionist. Like, if it's done, is it perfect? That's the kind of guy I'm in. It's mm-hmm. not done until it's 100% perfect. And when I was doing my trade, people would say to me, like, oh, mate, like, it's close enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I'd be like, there's literally an instrument in front of you that says it can be. It has numbers all over it. So if I measure it mm. and it's exactly this, mm. then it's perfect. So we can make it perfect. And in the rest of your life, perfection is just something you chase. It's not something you actually achieve. So in my work, I was like, no, it literally can be perfect. I'm going to do it that way. So trying to get someone else that would do it like me, I thought was impossible because I would, I was fanatical about it. And now we have 30 guys that are just like me wow. who don't fuck up. We've had so we've sent over six hundred invoices and we've had wow. one call back and it wasn't for work, for the work that we did. It's that um, the, the guy that uh, was working there, he had a bit of family issues and he was a little bit short with the customer and he said, uh, like he was just a bit short and he just said, Hey, like I didn't really like his, his attitude when he left, but everything else is immaculate. Wow. We've had one complaint about attitude and he doesn't even work with us anymore. So that's now there's I know there's 30 guys that will do exactly what I would do yeah. and I don't have to do it anymore and my back isn't at risk of going back down that 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 spot so very grateful for the injury that mm. and that's that's why when it happened again I wasn't worried about the business or anything like that it, it had afforded me the first injury had afforded me the chance to work on myself rather than work on the business because I had another opportunity which was fantastic to not only renovate my body, but renovate who I am, re yeah, look at everything that I wanted to be, that I set out to do be 12 months ago. Am I that now? Am I happy being that? Do I want to be better? All that kind of stuff. So it wasn't just my body that got rebuilt. It was me. I renovated myself and thought there are areas in my life where I'm dropping off 
mm. where I've, I've got comfortable now and I'm dropping off and I'm not chasing that. I'm not being brave enough to go, cool, what's the next big thing or what's this or what's mm. that or spending time with the missus and, and giving her all of my attention and, and everything like that. So I got to renovate myself and I get to come back and go, cool, now I'm a better version because of what that happened. Wow. So yeah, it, it was, I'll let you learn a lot. And I'll learn in the next two years, just from this one injury, I'll probably learn so much more. 100%. And I love that you said that you're actually grateful that it happened mm. because you get to learn so much. And I strongly believe that all the injuries that happen within like on, in our body are here for a reason. Mm. And it's here for telling us something that has to change in our lives. And most of the time we don't listen yep. because we're so busy. And you said like when you're especially as an entrepreneur, we're like, go, 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 go. We yep. have so much ambition and so much stuff to do that we're not, we don't have time to listen, right? Mm. But our body tells us something. And when we're able to listen to it, we learn so much. Yeah. And we know that, okay, this has to change. And now this has to change now. Mm. Yeah, exa exactly what you said there is if we were going to distill this whole conversation down to 40 seconds, that's exactly it. Is that nothing happens in your body without a reason for it happening. Like you don't get sick if you're in perfect health. If you're taking care of yourself, you don't, you don't get sick. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's when you lack in a certain area that the body starts to show the symptoms of where you're lacking. And if you, you, you need to be able to afford yourself the time to go, why is this actually happening? If I looked at the reason why I hurt my back in the first place, it's because I was obsessed with creating something. I didn't really have to be obsessed. I didn't have to work 16 hours a day. It would have happened regardless. My attitude was, yeah. was right. What I was doing was ignoring my body mm. and ignoring that no one's body is supposed to lift and crawl and work 16 hours a day. No one's body is meant to do that. And I just said, well, well mine is. <laughs> but he was never going to let me get away with that. Like, if I look back at it, there was a problem. The problem was that my attitude was, I want it right now. I'm going to go and get it. Yeah. But I didn't have to do that to my body. I could have been smarter. And like, because you're, you know, you're young and you've never done it before. Now I would do it completely different. But there is a reason for everything. Any, whatever there is, disease, injury, you know, illness, all that kind of stuff. There is a reason. You just have to afford yourself the time to figure out what it is. And if you solve exactly. that problem, you'll solve the injury. Or you'll, yeah. you'll cure the disease or whatever it is. So that's if you were to distill everything that I just moaned on about forever, <laughs> that is pretty much exactly right. This is beautiful. Do you have to, to close this episode, do you have a, a mantra you live by? Something that really resonates with you and you'd like to share? For me, it's just be better than you were yesterday. If I'm a better man and a better person than I was yesterday, then I'm always moving forward. Yeah. And the, the best thing about that is it's so simple that if you look back, you, you can, everyone can remember yesterday. You can look back and you go, I didn't handle that situation as well as I did. I didn't make as much money as I wanted to. I didn't work as hard as I wanted to, whatever it is. You have something directly to compare yourself. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. What you're doing, what she's doing, what he's doing, don't worry about that. That, that doesn't matter. Compare yourself to yourself yesterday. If you're better today, you're always moving forward. You'll be a better person by the end of the week, by the end of the month, by the end of the year. Be better than you were yesterday. That's what I do every day. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. And uh, can you share the title of the book that you read? Yes. It's called, actually, I didn't want to forget the author's name because if anyone needs it, it's called Healing Back Pain. And the author is John Sarno. Beautiful. S-A-R-N-O. 
It is a phenomenal read. And I would, in all honesty, if I had any injury that I couldn't get over, I would just read that to understand the, the mental side of the injury. It's a fantastic book. Yeah. Awesome read. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank oh. you so much for sharing everything that you shared today. And I'm really grateful and I'm sure it's going to help so many other people oh. to do exactly the same even as if, you did. If it helps one person, I'll be stoked. So thanks <laughs> for having me. It has been a blast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you had some amazing breakthrough moments that could give you perhaps some hope to see what's possible for you too. If you have any kind of health issue that you'd like to work on using meta medicine principles, make sure to send me a message either on my Facebook or my Instagram, Jing underscore underscore. Let's chat. I run some one-on-one coaching program for meta medicine. And if you're a practitioner, if you're already a coach and you would like to learn more and to become a meta medicine practitioner, I also run a meta medicine training here on the Gold Coast. So make sure to send me a message right now so we can connect and I will guide you what will work best for you. Make sure to leave a five-star review. Send the episode to anyone you know that will beneficiate from hearing what we said here and share it in your story. Share it everywhere so we can impact more and more people together and create a ripple effect to create a better world together. Thank you. Have a beautiful week and I will see you next week.